Good morning. Hey, um, the ushers are going to come around and hand you a little brochure. What do we call this thing? A flyer or a leaflet? A propaganda? Don't go with propaganda. Don't go with that. We're going to jump off that. That is, um, hang on to that. Um, We are going to, uh, I have to send a text to my daughter too. She's asking when she can get picked up. We're going to, we're going to, Get, she's texting me during church. I just like, come on, girl. Um, we are going to get to that little flyer thing towards the end of the message, okay? I heard Mara, you guys would have heard Mara say how awesome Women's Night was last night. That's because her team won. But I heard complaints that it was rigged by Holly, who, with Holly was the expected to be the winner. But she complained it was rigged because the big portion of the trivia was wrapped around music. And since Mara's a music major and has a degree in music and this and that, it was rigged. So that's what Holly's sticking to. So so the next time we have a women's trivia night, we're going to cut music out, right? And we're going to talk about nonprofits and that sort of thing. And, and that's Holly's line of work. And so, and dogs, yeah, Great Danes. Um, they're good at dogs, so we got a little competition. So, and also, just just what Mara announced, if you've never been to Tacos with Tom, stay after church, have a meal with us, hear about how how branches got to be branches, hear about vineyard, hear about what we think's going. If this is your first time, feel free to stay and have a free lunch and just, and hear stuff and ask questions and that sort of thing. That's what we, we do this. We want everybody to know just what we're about, where we think we're going, what we think God's doing, so... If you've never been to Tacos with Tom, we have tacos in the kitchen. We'll do it right after service. So, so we'll go with that. Now, here at Branches, we have been driving home this mission statement idea that we have, that we want to love God, we want to love others, we want to make disciples. And that's our mission statement. We believe it's a good one because we believe that's what Jesus told his followers to do, right? And so our mission statement, while you might have seen it coming in or if you have the back of your your little um, card here, it may be on there, it may not, it's on somewhere, back of the Connect card, um, is, our, is kind of our proper mission statement. But our mission statement boils down to love God, may, love others, makes disciples. And every church you go to has a mission statement. And I find that most churches, their mission statement essentially boils down to that, right? Here's my concern. My concern that, uh, that we... Because we have to, to have a building, to have a church, to hold services, it's kind of like church 101 to have a mission statement for a ministry, that we have the mission statement. But my concern is that a lot of times we hang that mission statement on a wall or we print it on the back of a card, and that's as far as it goes. It doesn't go a whole lot further than that. And so, so we at Branches, we feel that we have been invited into the work that God's doing We believe that God is inviting us into his work and that the mission statement is actually something that should be living and should be walked out and we should be active in. See, we've taken the mission statement idea within the church in America, I believe, and we've looked at it and hung it on the wall. And sometimes we look at it as a duty. As followers of Christ, oh, God tells us we have to love him. I have to love others. That's the toughest one. I have to make disciples. I have to tell people about Jesus. We look at it as a duty. And Jesus, as we've been looking over the past seven weeks, we've been invited in to the ministry that he he started and that God's doing in this world. And it should be a privilege. We should be looking at it as 
God has invited me in to step into the work that he's doing. And I get to be a part of lives being changed for God's kingdom. I get to be a part of people coming to healing. I get to be a part of worshiping the sovereign God. And so we've been looking the past seven weeks just about what does it mean to love God? And we we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and you can listen to these messages online. And I think we really did a good job of of saying, if you want to love God, if you want to worship God, start with the Lord's Prayer and walk through that and make that maybe a, a daily time that you set aside with God. And this morning what I want to do is I want to shift back shift to, to loving others and making disciples. But what I want to do is I want to take the loving others and making disciples, and I want to show us how in Isaiah, God says this is actually an extension of worshiping me. And so, so here's the big idea for this morning. The big idea is this, that true worship happens outside these walls. So, so when we think of worship, we think of getting up on a Sunday morning and getting some clothes on, hopefully, and coming to church and singing some songs and putting some money in the offering plate, listen to a message, and we've worshipped. We've worshipped God. And if you're really a worshiper, maybe during the week you put on some music and you think, you know, you, you focus on God for a few minutes and, and you sing along in the car on the Christian radio, and that's worship. And that's what we've boiled worship down in our, in our society, haven't we? And, and what God is saying in Isaiah is actually that is worship. And that's, that's what Mary called corporate worship. And that's very important. And we're actually going to spend next week and a couple more weeks talking about what does it mean to worship when we come in here on Sunday mornings? What does it mean for us to be worshipers of God as a family? But today, what we're talking about, what does it mean to worship God outside these walls? Because we only spend an hour and a half in here on Sunday mornings. What do we do with the rest of our worship during the rest of the week? And that's what we're going to look at in Isaiah. So if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah 58. And we're going to just, we're not going to do a study of Isaiah 58 the way we've seen it. We're actually going to do just kind of just a snapshot of what I believe Isaiah 58 is saying and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down into four parts, okay? So the first part, we're going to see that there's an announcement that gets made. And then there's going to be the, the, the explanation of the problem of why the announcement has to be made. Then there's going to be a solution to the problem. And then at the end, we're going to see the reward for stepping into the solution of the problem. Does that make sense? So, so it's just real simple. We're going to look at four parts of Isaiah 58. We're going to cover the first 12 verses and, and hopefully at the end, what that's going to do is give us an idea of what it means to worship outside the walls of this church. So if we, if we look at the first verse, there's, there's the announcement. This is what I call the announcement. It says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sin. So this is the announcement. Here's what's happening. In the Old Testament, so if you have your Bible, just let me explain this in case we, we don't quite understand. In the Old Testament... It's everything in your Bible leading up to Matthew. From Genesis through Malachi is the Old Testament. This is the part of your Bible that is before Jesus came on the scene. So if you ever hear somebody say the Old Testament, you could always know, oh, that's before Jesus showed up on the scene, is the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, God spoke to his people, which were the Jewish people, the people of Israel. God spoke to them through guys called prophets. These prophets were simply the mouthpiece of God. When God wanted to to deliver a message to his people, one way that he delivered the message is he had prophets 
that he would give the message to, they would go and then give it to the people. Does that make sense? Is that fair? a fair idea or understanding of what, who Isaiah was? So Isaiah was one of these prophets. And God tells Isaiah, I want you to go and deliver a message to my people. Now, Isaiah, when you walk into the room, when you walk into the city, I don't want you just to sit down and just you know, have a chat with the, the leaders of the area or the, or the leaders. I want you to walk in and I want you to shout as loud as you can what the problem is, what the message is, what the announcement is. I want you to scream it out the way a trumpet would blast, the way somebody would blow a trumpet as hard as they can. I want you to deliver this message. And the message, so, so Isaiah comes with this announcement, and the announcement that he's giving is the, the announcement that is the problem, and it's the, the sin that Israel, that God's people are committing, the sins that they're committing. He wants them, Isaiah to go and say, tell my people that they are living in sin, and here is the sin, which is the problem that we find. And it, verses 2 through 5 says this. Here's the problem. They act so pious, they come to the temple every day and seem to delight, delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Now, when we read this fasted, we can, I think we can fairly insert the word worship. We have worshiped before you. So you know what a fast is. is when you, you, you stop doing something for a period of time in order to worship God. So we have fasted before you. We have worshiped before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting or you're worshiping to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. This is a problem, isn't it? And verse 5 says, You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance. You bow your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. And then God finishes with, is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this is what will please the Lord? So here's what's happening. God's people, his people that have been set apart for him to worship him, have gotten into this routine of daily going to the temple and worshiping God, fasting before God, and they're doing it all for selfish gain. They're doing it all because it's just religion. It's what we do. We go and worship at the temple. While they're doing this, though, because they're taking the time to go do this, they're throwing a load of extra work on their workers and saying, take care of my stuff so I can go worship God. So they're oppressing their workers. They're getting into debates and quarrels amongst themselves, probably theological debates, debates about God and this and that and old-time stories. But they're still worshiping God. They're sitting and they're acting very down and, oh, God, I'm nobody. Let me throw ashes on myself. And, God, don't you see how much I'm worshiping you? And God's saying, no, it's, it's all junk. It's worthless. Now, let's equate that to today. And I know that none of us do this, and I want to be very careful not to cast anything on people. So let's just talk about the people in another city that go to church on Sunday mornings, okay? Because none of us do this, right? 
But let's just say these people on Sunday mornings in this other city across, you know, in Goshen or something, they stay up late at night with their friends, hanging out, and around 12 or 1 on Saturday night, oh, it's probably time to go to bed. I have to go to church tomorrow. And so they pull themselves up out of bed and throw on some clothes and stumble in as the first or second song's playing. Who, who, who cares, right? It starts at 10. I'll be here at 10.15 or 10.30. And the music's playing, and I don't like that song. Why did Dave and Mara pick that song? It doesn't do anything for me, so they just stand there. Not Dave and Mara, because it's not at this church. Forgot about that. Why this song? So you stand there hoping that something more spiritual will come out and that something that will move you will happen. Then the next song starts, and boy, you know this song. This is a good one. So you kind of get into it. You perk up a little bit. Again, people in Goshen. They perk up, and, and they're getting into it, and they actually lift their head and close their eyes. Oh, God, I'm worshiping you now because this song does something for me. And they even start to raise their hands. Now, has anybody ever raised their hands in church? It's a weird thing, isn't it? But has anybody ever seen the Tim Hawkins story about raising their hands? Tim Hawkins is this, like, Christian comedian. So some of us raise our hands like this. It's called rocking the baby. So we're worshiping God. We're rocking the baby. The little more bold people start carrying the TV. You ever seen this? The real worshipers, you know, they got the big flat screen. Then you got the person that's screwing in the light bulb. Oh, Jesus. Oh, two light bulbs simultaneously. This is me. I feel like I'm the touchdown guy. Touchdown, Jesus. And so they raise their hand because the song is so good. And boy, I'm worshiping now because it, this song speaks to me. This is what the people of Israel are getting into, and this is how it equates to today. Then we finish and we say, hey, or the church in Goshen says, hey, we're going to continue worshiping by taking up an offering. And so that worshiper who's in it for himself pulls his check out and kind of does this, you know. Oh, oh you saw that. Yeah, I'm going to put some in the plate today. Puts the money in the plate. Then the pastor gets up and starts preaching. And, and, you, and you say, oh, this pastor. And you nod, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And in your mind you're thinking, Boy, I wish so-and-so was here because they really needed to hear this one because you're not, it's not for you. It's for so-and-so, and you're here to just evaluate that the pastor's preaching from the Bible. And This happens in Goshen. Do you know this? Not in Warsaw, but in Goshen. And, and I'm going to send this to my friend Goshen. That's a pastor. <laughs> Tell him to listen to it. Um, and then service ends, and you shake a couple hands, and as you walk out the door, you know, the churches in Goshen have this little machine that you punch card, and you go home, and then when you get 10 punches, you can miss a Sunday is how it works. So you punch your card, and you go home for the rest of the week, and I've worshiped God. But God, why is my life a mess? Why don't I hear from you? Why don't you respond when I cry out in my in my time of immediate distress, why is there nothing there? And God says, it's because your worship is all for yourself. You're doing it for yourself. It's, you're not worshiping me. You're worshiping yourself. And this is what the children of Israel, God's people, set apart, had gotten into. They had gotten into worshiping themselves in order to think they could please God, to get from God. And the people in Goshen worship this way too. 
today. You would think that at some point, Christians would get their act together and, and really realize who God is and really press into who God is. But I think we've forgotten. I think we just, we get our punch card and we say, okay, that's, that's good enough. And, and the end of Isaiah verse 5 says, do you really think this pleases the Lord? And the answer is like this screaming trumpet blast. No, it does not please the Lord. The root of the problem with the worshipers in Isaiah is their heart. It always is a heart condition. Everything's for personal gain. It's all selfish. It's worshiping self, not worshiping God. So we shouldn't get confused or weirded out when God doesn't answer to us. God's not at church that day. He went to church, hopefully in Warsaw, but he didn't go to church that day at that church because they're just a bunch of selfish people, people trying to fulfill their own desires and their own, their own feel-goods, if you will. So this is what's happening with the children of Israel. They've turned worship into a ritual, into something they have to do, not a privilege that they get to do to worship God. And then God tells Isaiah to give them the solution to their problem of their worship. And this is what he says in verse 6. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly, wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you and let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Verse 6 or verse 7. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. That's a good one. Don't hide from relatives that need your help. Verse 9b, the second part of 9. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. So true worship takes the attention off ourselves, takes the the religion out of us, and puts it on God and puts it on others. We can serve God. When we serve God and when we help others without it benefiting ourselves, that's when we start to actually become true worshipers. Now, without getting political, which this may sound political, don't you feel like in America we're living in a, in a time where we're being told or asked by society, by media, by the government to choose one of two sides on everything? Don't you feel like that? So, so we're being asked to choose which if, if this guy's our president or if this guy's not our president. We're being asked to choose which, to have a position on the Planned Parenthood. We're being asked to choose to have a position about the pipeline happening in, out in the West. Are you for cops or are you for the guy who got beat by the cops? Because you have to choose one or the other. You can't be for both. There's the LGBT thing. Do you have a position on that? Because you have to have that position. There's the homeless vets maybe homeless vet, veterinarians too, I don't know. But you have to, if, you know, there's this assumption that if you are for all of those immigrants that are going to come in and kill us and chop our heads off, if you're for them, you're against the homeless vet. Do you feel this sometimes? Because I feel this. I feel like we have to say, are we for people coming into our country, into our society to escape their situation? Why can't they deal with their own problems? We have these problems, don't you? Don't we? There's the addict. What do we do with the addict? Is there a program that we can help them out with? And we have to say, what is our position on that? But as Christians, here's what I believe. I believe 
that if we want to be worshipers of God, we're only given one, one choice to remain in worship. And that's to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to help remove the chains of addiction, the chains of false identity, the chains of oppression that bind people. We're told in Isaiah here to give shelter to the homeless. This actually includes the refugees that are coming in. God instructs Isaiah to deliver a pretty harsh message to his people, to kind of call them out on the, on the way that they think they've been worshiping him. And I think God's, the message is for us too. That what is your position? Is your position based on that you're American or your position based on that you're a child of God? Because if you're a child of God, then all people are created in God's image. And so we could start to say, instead of those immigrants, we could start to put a face and a name on those people. It's not those people anymore. It's the people that God made in his image. It's the homosexual that God made in his image. It's the hungry person holding a sign at the corner that God made in, him, in his image. I'm looking at Brandon and Amelia. It's the child that parents were screwed up and so they got stripped from their home that God made in their image, and that child needs a safe place to sleep tonight. And here, here's what I know. I know that in our church, there's many people engaged in outside-the-walls worship. So I mentioned Brandon and Amelia. They're right now. Are you guys done with this? They're right on the verge of being like um, foster parents. They, they've already adopted two kids, and now they're ready to start allowing kids to come into their home and love kids that are displaced and are living in in social services that need homes. I think there's a statistic that says if every church in America, is it just one family? If every church in America had one family that would become a foster parent, it would be erased in the world. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have the need for fostering. And so Brandon and Amelia in, at Branches are doing this. There's others of you here that you have been sensing that you need to consider fostering. If you don't need to consider fostering, we need to be supporting Brandon and, Brandon and Amelia and saying, what can we do to help you worship God outside the walls through the foster? Jack goes into the prisons, and he spends a whole week with the prisoners, and, he's, and this is like a direct remove the chains of those that are bound, right? This is the, he goes in and spends time, and people, their chains are removed, freedom chains of addiction, freedom chains are the chains of, of addiction, the chains of bondage, the chains of what they're dealing with within the prison system, Jack's spending time doing that. Amanda here, she works for an eye doctor, correct, Amanda? And she's going to go and spend, tell me where, is it Ecuador? No, say Guatemala. She's going to go to Guatemala in about a month and a half. She's raising support for this. And they're going to spend a whole week just doing eye care for, for people who don't have any, any health benefits and, and, and providing eye care with, with um optometrist and she's going to just go take a week off of work no pay and go serve and do that so there's people in this church that are worshiping outside the walls and the solution is that god's people need to be worshiping outside those walls when we walk out and we see the homeless person on the street that we actually engage with that person when we see the person who is in need we engage when we see the person whose clothes are ripped we engage when we see the hungry person we engage when we see the 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 addict we engage this is what the solution is to religious worship of coming into a building and thinking that we've done our, our, our duty for the week instead of 
having the privilege to worship God through loving people in our community. Here's the reward. Here's what God promises. When we do these things, okay, your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, I am here. He will quickly reply. Your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Here's my thought. When we consider worshiping or serving outside the walls, a lot of times we start to calculate the cost it's going to have on us, don't we? Well, if I stop and feed that guy, I have to pull $20 out of my pocket. There's a cost. Or if I, if I help this person, it's going to cost me some time. Or it's going to cost me my, my reputation or this or that or whatever. We calculate whatever, whatever we do. And God's saying, when you worship people, when you worship God outside by serving people that are, are on the fringes of society, I will restore everything that you give. Whatever it costs you, I'm going to make you flowing like a spring that never stops flowing. I'm going to answer your prayers when you call on me. And it's going to happen quickly. So we want to be active in a relationship of loving God and loving others, don't we? You have to say yes because you're in church. Everyone received this brochure, right? Here's what we've done. When I say we, I mean Amelia and and Mara. But we (laughs) have put this brochure together. Inside this brochure are a number of ministries in Warsaw, right in our own community, that are doing the things that are laid out in Isaiah 58. They're helping the addict. They're taking care of the child who is a latchkey. They're feeding hungry. They're clothing naked people. They're going into the, the prisons in front of the courthouse and praying for people. And they're, we've gone through and we've contacted each one of these ministries. We've asked, how can a person get involved and serve in your ministry? How can somebody within our church come and serve? And, and here's what I want to challenge I want to challenge that we would all take this home and you would look through this and you would consider, first I just challenge you to actually read through this because I think a lot of people will just put this away and never, never see it again. But go actually read through this and know what, what is happening in our community to meet the needs of, the, of the, the people on the fringes of society. And then make a decision on how you can go and serve, even for one day, even just go and pray for people or just go help serve soup or go help sort clothes, or go help talk to a a pregnant lady that doesn't know what she's going to do in life. And you would actually go out and and worship God through loving somebody else. I'm going to ask that you would do that. If if you're concerned about not knowing what to do, if you're in a life group, talk to your life group leaders. Make it it something that your life group will do. Like Baker Youth Center, the, the people we bought this building from, we, there was a season where we were going in on, on a Wednesday night, taking in a load of pizzas. It cost us 100 bucks for we'd, we'd buy 20 pizzas from Little Caesars here. And we would just feed the kids and play with the kids for an hour and a half, give them dinner, and just love on them. It, it was non-threatening. It was so easy. Pe- people were bringing their little kids in to help do it. Your life group can do something like that. If you, if you want to be a part and do something, but you're not sure the direction, come talk to me. Come talk to somebody in leadership, somebody you know that's 
from stage and from the stage or who you see around that you, you think is in leadership. We'll get you connected. We'll go with you if we can. We'll get you connected with somebody who, who wants to. We want to love other people outside the walls of this church. Go ahead and stand with me. We're going to um, wrap up there, and we're going to enter into a time of ministry. This time is, Frank, I still have that one verse, okay, buddy? This time is uh, that, that we go to now is just a time to pray. It's the time to wrap up our worship service to, and, and to have an opportunity for people to get prayed for. So here's how, here's how we're, we're trying to do it. We're going to sing a final song of worship. It's just a time to worship God finally, corporately as a body. When that time's done, you will be dismissed, and you could go out into the, into the lobby there. At that point, though, if you need prayer for something, if there's something you're dealing with in life, if something you want somebody to pray with you about, there'll be people up here up front, and you can choose to come forward at that time as people are leaving and come and get prayed for. Also, if you want to just continue in your seat and pray by yourself or continue in an attitude of worship, the band plays a little longer, and you, you have the freedom to do that. When we talk about worshiping outside the walls, Here's what, here's what Jesus, or here's, what, here's what's said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. It says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. So, Lord, we, God, I, I, I want to be a body of of your children, of, of followers of you that worship outside these walls. God, I don't want to be a part of a group of people that just come and worship and punch our cards and go on with our life. So God, I, my commitment is to love you in my day-to-day, in everything. God, to have my eyes open to see those that need your love. And God, hopefully my feet and my gut strong enough to step out and, and show love to somebody outside these walls. God, would you, would you take this word in Isaiah and would you have it to penetrate into our hearts? God, would you have each person that's heard this word to really evaluate their, their act of worship towards you on a day-to-day basis? God, really have them to count the cost of what it really is going to cost to love somebody in relation to what you promise you'll, you'll bring us as we worship you. God, I, I just I want to see that we are a, a church in Warsaw that loves people outside the walls, not just people that show up on Sundays, but people throughout the week that each one of us are engaged in loving others. So God, would you, in this time that we re- worship you in this last song, that we reflect on the words and and the worship that we've had today as a group, would you just speak to each one of our hearts? Lord, would you twist and tweak some of our opinions and thoughts of our society and, and have us to start thinking as your children, not 
not as people within America that are asked to do one of two things, but that we think of as people that are called by you to love those who need to hear from hear you. So God, I, we just we commit this to you, and Lord, I, I just I I commit to just stepping out as as we engage in Warsaw. In Jesus' name, Amen.